Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Kelsey Tamburino. When President Joe Biden signed last year's $550 billion bipartisan infrastructure package into law, he had hoped some of the money could be used for one of his big promises. Environmental justice will be at the center of all we do addressing the disproportionate health and environmental and economic impacts on communities of color, brown, black, Native American, poor whites. The problem is that states control most of the cash, and some don't exactly share his goals of tackling climate change or reversing the effects of institutionalized racism. Another issue, according to environmental justice communities, is how federal money is actually being distributed in the first place. A lot of them see it as a race issue. A lot of them see it as a disenfranchisement issue. And if we're not changing the way in which those dollars come out the door, then we're not really changing who is best positioned to get those dollars. Today, Politico's Zach Coleman on why Biden's climate justice push is stalling in some states. It's Thursday, March 24th. We're talking about billions of dollars here, a lot of money to replace lead drinking water pipes and clean up water systems, looking at public transit money. There's any number of resilience projects for climate resilience to resist rising seas and floods. So these are types of the projects that we've needed to invest in these things as a country. I mean, this is delayed maintenance, deferred maintenance. We're talking, yes, billions of dollars. However, it's not the 40% target that President Biden had set for federal benefits that he wants to flow to disadvantaged communities. We're not seeing 40% of that $550 billion going towards disadvantaged communities. A lot of this money is actually set up through formulas that get sent to the states automatically, and the federal government can't really just pick and choose who gets it. Yeah, you touched on this, but a lot of this money for the states isn't likely to be spent on these programs. Can you break down a little bit more why that is? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about like 75% of this money is going to go out the door through automatic formulas. That's just baked into statute. So this is just a funding formula where the money rolls out of the federal government and to the states through the agencies, and the states really get to decide where they want to put that money. You can put some conditions on some dollars, but if it wasn't written into the law, the infrastructure law, then it goes out through these automatic formulas. And where you really see this play out is transportation funds, which is a huge portion of the infrastructure bill. There was a big fight between Republicans and Democrats over how to change those formulas to prioritize public transit programs and electric vehicle programs, things like that, that Democrats really wanted. But Republicans said, no, we're not going to tinker with this formula because they said it would shift towards more urban areas and away from the rural voters that they represent. And that's one of the reasons why you're not able to say, you know, even though you're President Biden and want to improve public transit, these dollars aren't necessarily going to be able to do that in a major way. Aside from just spending more money on these programs overall, you're not able to shift the amount that goes to public transit or to cities or to disadvantaged communities. Mm-hmm. 
how have other federal agencies tried to nudge states to support the administration's goals here? Has any of that worked? Yeah, there's a lot of language about encouraging states to send money to disadvantaged communities. And there are ways in which agencies, when they put out memos, can set up guidelines or things to think about. But these are not law. I mean, you don't have to follow those recommendations. And there is a fear amongst people I talk to who have been on the short end of the federal funding stick is that the same communities will be overlooked since the process has not changed much at all. Yeah. What's the overall impact of this money then not getting to environmental justice communities? The overall impact is that people feel like they're going to be left out again, that this is a historic amount of money coming through the door, that it will just reinforce some of the divides that we've already seen up to this point that President Biden actually wants to resolve. I mean, President Biden wants to go out and say, look, I gave this money to this community. I'm solving these environmental ills. And, you know, to an extent, he'll be able to do that because there's so much more money to work with. But have they shifted the formula enough to get to that 40% Justice 40 target that President Biden wants to get to? No, I I don't think that you could say that they have because they didn't change the formulas enough. There is a lot more grant funding now through this infrastructure law, and that is where the federal government does have some choice. But structurally speaking, there is this fear that it's just going to reinforce the system of old and that the communities that have been left behind in the past will again be left behind. So how are environmental justice advocates and lawmakers then trying to close this gap? So there's been a lot of talk about awareness, about getting the federal government to provide more technical assistance and helping communities better prepare applications so they can be successful against their bigger and richer neighbors. There's also a push by environmental justice advocates at the state level to pass environmental justice oversight councils, essentially, to make sure that the dollars that flow to the states actually end up in disadvantaged communities aligned with President Biden's goal of sending 40% of the federal benefits towards those communities. You know, you're seeing this push by environmental justice advocates across a number of state capitals, and it's just to provide another layer of oversight to make sure that dollars are spent and that, you know, in those communities and that we don't have the same communities left behind as we have for decades. Also on Wednesday, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm told global energy leaders that they needed to move fast to address the oil and gas crisis sparked by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, while also building a clean energy economy to fight the threats from climate change. In short, Granholm said that fighting energy supply disruptions and climate change is, quote, not a binary choice, and that, quote, both crises need addressing now. Granholm made her stance clear to an audience at the International Energy Agency's ministerial meeting in Paris on Wednesday. The meeting is taking place as President Joe Biden prepares to huddle with NATO leaders to increase pressure on Moscow and maintain a unified front to confront Russia for its war against Ukraine. Granholm's remarks also come as the European Union looks to the United States to help it reduce its dependence on Russian natural gas. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morning energy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Kelsey Tamburino, and we'll see you back tomorrow.
Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that, one day, can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com forward slash RNG.